You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. We are, we're a body. We're, we're a family. I'm saying really obvious things right now, but um, that has implications with what it looks like when, when we come together. If you think about a church service more of like a, it's like a big family meal, it, it, it starts to make more sense because you have you know the people in your family that are good at setting the table, the people in your family who you know are good at making casseroles, the people in your family who you know are good at making the bread, the people in your family who you know are great at washing dishes, like they're whistling while they work, washing the dishes. That's what it looks like in the spirit when we come together and we bring our gifts in the, into this room. Um, at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, we've got the sound tech guys here with the worship team, you know, warming up. And so they're the ones kind of like setting the table, you know? And, and preparing some of the, the food. And, and, um, but I also want you to know that we're not like, we're not in a rush to establish any kind of um, system or, or program. We're not, we're not in a hurry to like get to a teaching because in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says what it should look like when we come together. It says, what shall we say then, brethren? When you gather, someone has a tongue, an interpretation of tongue, a teaching, a testimony. Like everybody brings something. It's that smorgasbord. It's that, that Baptist potluck, you know? <laughs> if you guys grew up in a denominational church, you probably know all about potlucks, right? And you knew which person was always going to bring the yams covered in marshmallows and like which person was always, you know what I mean? And so that's why... Um, that's why we, we, we take our time in worship. We listen to the Lord. That's why there's a few different people who you know, offer prophetic words or what we feel like God is doing. That's why we, we push play on, on Nancy's heart because we're not in a rush to get to some message. Um, although I do have a few things that I wanted to share with you guys tonight. Um, if you recall last week, um, I told one of the most epic church jokes in history. <laughs> Remember the punchline? Repaint and thin no more? Come on now. <laughs> now you have to go get the podcast. You got to go listen to it now. <laughs> um, I heard a, re- a really ridiculous dad joke. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> What do you call a man with a rubber toe? Rubber toe. <laughs> Roberto. Rub- he has a rubber toe. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> so I wanted to pick up on some of the stuff that I where I left off on last week and and Nancy really she started preaching some of the, my message unbeknownst it's it was awesome that's just how the holy ghost rolls um i asked a question last week and it was um what is it, what if everything that's transpired in your life was orchestrated and or or redeemed by god to bring you into this room into this moment right now and that all of these things that we've set up in our heart, the, these, these phrases, these internal phrases where we say something to the effect of, um, 
I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if only this point in the future. And, and what those statements actually do is it takes us out of the moment in which we're sitting in right now, and we've attached our joy to some moment in the future. And that thing that we've attached our joy to in the future is actually an idol that's robbing us of joy right now. Because we want to be present with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned how um, we're, we are best friends with a man who refers to himself as the path. He is the way. So if we are friends with a path, that means we got to get used to just moving and being with him wherever, like, we don't know where we came from or where we're going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. And Jesus is actually the one who said that. In John 3, 8, he was talking to Nicodemus. He said, He's telling them, if you want to you know, enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I don't get that. Like, what are you talking about? And then Jesus says something even weirder. He says, you don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And what is really interesting to note is that the only person who was born of the Spirit was Jesus. When Jesus said that. He's the only one who was born of the Spirit. That means that he's saying to Nicodemus, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm just going to trust the Holy Ghost to blow me here or there or wherever. Like, I don't know what he has up his sleeve, but I fully entrusted my life into his hands. When Jesus said on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit, he had already been doing that every moment of his life. I talked last week about uh, the word transition and how it's terrifying to get that in a prophetic word. <laughs> just see transition coming. You're like, what? Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I just got used to the last change. But transition is like our life in God. If we are friends with a path, if we are best friends with the way, the truth, and the life, that means that we got to get used to just rolling with it. The, and... It, God gave me this funny little play on words to help like cement that idea in my head. And he said, you are all, your whole life is transition. You are sojourners. You are aliens in a foreign land. You are on a walk. You are always in transition. The only time you are not in transition is when I hit pause on the transition and then you are in a position. <laughs> but it's only a pause button. He's going to hit play again. And this is all about friendship with Jesus. Friendship looks like listening. Friendship looks like asking questions. Friendship looks like talking, getting used to talking to him like he is sitting with you. And, and uh, I hope I didn't offend anyone when, last week when I started talking about our, how ridiculous sometimes we sound when we pray in Old English. Or like... <laughs> All the, the, just the verbal gymnastics that we go through that we've just been conditioned to say that we're, we're trained, we pray these prayers that we think God wants to hear. Wouldn't that be an awkward friendship? If I, every time I was around Casey, I was like, dear Casey Hahn, how are you today, Casey Hahn? <laughs> and I began to tell him things that I thought he wanted to hear instead of just open up my heart. That wouldn't be a, a friendship. That would just be a really awkward thing. But 
It's better than nothing. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. No matter how you're praying, it is better than not praying, okay? <laughs> you can pray, thus saith the Lord, oh, that's just better than nothing. But what I want to challenge us to do is start to think about Jesus like he's right here instead of saying, dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, would you please just make me a better dad and just say, hey, you're a really good father. Will you mentor me? Or my finances are in shambles, Lord, and you are very wise with finances. Would you, would you show me, you know, help me out here? You just start talking to him like he is your best friend. And it's um, fun things begin to transpire when you do that. One time um, the Lord woke me up. Um, right around sunrise, and it was, it was spring. It was actually like what felt like the first day of spring, like the snow melted, and, and everything had like really turned green. Instead of being regularly in the 40s, it was like 65 or 70 degrees and sunny, and I woke up just feeling alive and feeling prompted by Jesus, my best friend, to go on a walk with him. And so I just started walking around, around the block, and I was talking to Jesus on this walk, and I was just, hey, where do you want to go? He's like, I don't know, where do you want to go? And I was like, I, I don't care, I'm just enjoying this moment. Because <laughs> I just felt his closeness. And I, and I began to hear the sound of a swamp. You know what a, a, like a swamp sounds like? It's, it's like cicadas and crickets and frogs. And, it's, and, and it, as I'm walking down the sidewalk, it gets louder and louder. And I'm walking along this really thick, um, fence high row of of bushes and 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 the sound is coming from the other side of these bushes and i 'm like, man, I really want to see what 's on the other side and as i 'm thinking that there's like there 's like a hobbit sized hole in the bushes, and I was like i 'm going through it's it 's adventure with jesus time and so i I crawl through this this hole through the bushes and I go out on the other side, and sure enough, it opens up into this really big swamp. It had to have been like four acres of swamp. And like I said, it was the f like the very beginning of spring. And so when I walked, when I got to the other side of the bushes, just the sound of crickets and frogs was just um, all consuming. It felt like it was coming from every direction, just filled up my senses like a John Denver song. <laughs> <laughs> Like a light in the forest, <laughs> like the mountains in springtime. <laughs> and so I was like, this is a perfect moment to be with Jesus. And so I sit down on the dry edge of the swamp, and I just, you know, I'm just sitting crisscross applesauce. That's the now politically correct way to say it. And, <laughs> and, um, and I'm just sitting there silently, and, in, and the, the sound is just filling my, my ears, and I, and I just kind of just internally say, hey, Holy Spirit. And when I said, hey, Holy Spirit, the whole swamp went dead silent, and I was covered in goosebumps, like what Nancy was describing, just like that electricity that, like, I know he's always with me, but he somehow just came closer. Like, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm feeling the presence of the Lord. And I hear the Lord, um, I'm just sitting in this, this, this glorious moment for I don't know how long, and the, the whole swamp has gone dead silent. And I hear the Lord say to me, if you silence your soul to listen to me, I will silence all of creation to speak. And I just sat there like, just enjoying like the, the truth and love and that statement just reverberating through, through me. And um, maybe 30 to 60 seconds later, I hear, and then the whole swamp just erupts again into its springtime chorus. And, um, you know, that was just, that was one of, you know, a hundred moments that I can remember where, like, I know that I know that I know God spoke. And it just, it marked me in some way. It changed me in mysterious ways. It, it set my heart even more in love with him and, and on a more intimate walk with Jesus, my best friend. Another time I was riding in, in my car, and it was one of those seasons where, like, um, you guys are all Christians, <laughs> I'm assuming, if not welcome, we're going to have an altar call. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you know what it's like when you have like one of those seasons where you know like what you're called to do, what you're gifted to do, and you don't know if you're supposed to sit and rest and wait for it to come or fight for it in that moment. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because you can look in the Bible and there's actually, there's scriptural ways to back up you know, both of those paths. There are times when you're supposed to speak up and say something or like stand in a position or pick up your sword and swing it. And then there are many times when you're supposed to wait and be silent. But I was really frustrated. I was tired of waiting for this thing that I felt like was mine, for, you know, and, and my calling. And Lord, what, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I could very easily just do something and, and bring it about or I could just sit and, and do nothing and, and, and just wait. And I'm thinking of like great Bill Johnson teachings that I've heard on the, on, the, on the subject. And I'm thinking of podcasts, other podcasts and scriptures. And I'm just doing all these mental gymnastics. I'm literally trying to teach my way out of the situation that my soul is in. And I just hear the Lord, the Lord break in in this like internal chaos that's going on. I hear the Lord just ask me a question, and he said, Jeremy, where does, where does balance come from? And uh, I said, from the equilibrium, Lord. <laughs> and then he said, that's right. Um, balance does not come from a place of thinking, Balance doesn't come from a place of feeling. Balance only comes from the place of hearing. It says you need to just hear. You need to sit and listen. It's the daily bread that we need. You guys know what I'm talking about. We, we, we are so immersed in a, a culture of podcasts and knowledge. I mean, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord hath filled the internet. Like you, <laughs> you can click on so many teachings in a moment. You know what I mean? Like, 
They're, they're, if I were to let it turn into pressure, I, it could easily turn into pressure for someone preaching because I could just think, why are they even here? They could just listen to a podcast. Like, but like we're here as a family. <laughs> um, where was I? Um, <laughs> yeah, we can, we can get... We can become like our own leader just by like all the teachings that we're listening to. And we can go through these mental checklists of all the scriptures and all the teachings. And then we're thinking, what do we do here? What do we do? I've heard this guy say this and that guy say that. And, it's, and instead of just going to the author of every podcast in that moment and saying, Holy Spirit, I want to hear from you. What do you think I should do? I know what Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton and, and all the other, like, Christine Keynes. I've listened to, I know what they say to do. What do you say, Holy Spirit? Because we've been in those seasons where we've heard it all. And we've had that attitude of the, the been there and done that attitude. And it's kind of like um, stinky old manna, right? When the Israelites needed food, the Lord sent manna, right? And, and one of the directives from God in Exodus 16 says, leave none of it over till the morning. In other words, gather up your daily amount, just what you need today, like Step out and get what you need today from the Lord. But some of them didn't listen to Moses' Moses's command, and they, they were afraid that, that they wouldn't have God tomorrow. And so they stored it up, and the next day it was, had gone moldy and stinky and full of worms. And because, um, like... The manna is not wonder bread. It doesn't have a three-week shelf life. You can't, and a lot of us, including me, we've had those seasons where we've gotten a word from God, and we, it's, it's all we've been munching on for three years. And Jesus teaches us this prayer in Luke 11. When the, the disciples say, you know, teach us how to pray, he says, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Awesome is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and a lot of other great stuff. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. And, but he's, he's saying, give us this day our daily bread. Did you know that just like a couple chapters earlier, Jesus said, don't ask your father for food or clothing? He knows you need it. So is Jesus contradicting himself when he says, ask your father for bread? I think he's saying something deeper. In fact, he, he goes on in that chapter and begins to interpret himself. He says, after that famous prayer, um, he says, <laughs> which one of you would go to his friend? Which one of you will go to your friend at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. 
Then the one inside answers and says, I'm already in bed, my children are already in bed, and the door is locked. I'm not going to get up and give you anything. He says, I tell you the truth, not because this man is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness or importunity, will he get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say unto you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. Hang on, we're almost there. I think we're up to like verse 13. Or maybe it's 11. It says, um, which one of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus was not talking about some gluten-free Sarah Lee. He wasn't talking about stock your cupboards so that you could make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He's not talking about literal bread. He already told us, you don't need to beg God for bread. He knows you need it. You don't need to ask him for clothes. He, he clothes the lilies more beautiful than Solomon in all of his splendor. You're worth more than the sparrows. He's going to feed you. You don't have to come to him for that kind of stuff. He's saying, go to him for the daily dose of the Holy Ghost. And at the beginning of that section of scripture, it says, which one of you will go to your friend? Who's the friend? We're knocking on his door. Because if you look closely at that parable, it says, which one of you will go to a friend at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. This is actually an incredible picture of the prophetic. We would be the bold ones who at midnight go to the Lord's door, knock on it and say, a friend has come to me on a journey, Lord, and I don't really have anything from within me to give him. What do you got for him? Which one of you will go to your friend and start knocking? And there's a promise attached to it. It says, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. And when you knock, the door will be open. And he won't give something that poisons you. See, anything that replaces conversation with Jesus and a daily reliance and personal interaction with him has become toxic in our life. Let me say that again. Anything that replaces a daily conversational relationship, friendship with Jesus is toxic to us. Do you know that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So literally, our Bibles can actually keep us from friendship with Jesus. Someone mentioned it tonight. You can actually worship your understanding of the Bible instead of worshiping the God of the Bible. And this book is meant to be an incredible, revelatory letter about the author. It's supposed to be, 
I mean, I, I don't, I'm not telling you, don't hear what I'm not saying. The Bible is perfect. We should know it better than anyone. But if we have replaced friendship with Jesus with just reading a book, we can close the book and say, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> you can start right now. Even the prophetic can be something that replaces friendship with Jesus, and we can begin to start serving the word of God instead of serving the God of the word. And we think that our job is, we have some job, some duty to bring about this prophetic word when really the prophetic word was all just yet another attempt, yet another tool to draw us deeper into friendship with Jesus. <laughs> Talking with God doesn't have to be pretty. In fact, I encourage you to get real messy with the Holy Spirit. Since we're talking about friendship with Jesus, I have a question for you guys. Who in the Bible was called a friend of God? David was called a man after God's own heart, and I do believe he is a friend of God, but who else in the Bible was called a friend? Moses and Abraham. Did you know that Abraham had at least four dramatic encounters with Yahweh before he ever said something to him? All the way until like chapter 15, he's been called out of the land of Ur. Um, he's, <laughs> he's had God speak to him. I'm going to make your children more numerous than the stars. He's, he's defeated these four kings Ketalomer being one of the, the, the kings. And then he has this moment where God, years down the road, God says to him, I'm your exceedingly great reward, Abraham. This is like literally at least four dramatic encounters with Yahweh, like coming to Abram. And it finally says, and Abram says, what are you going to give me? Yeah, you, you said I was going to have kids, but it looks like my lineage is going to be carried on through a, a slave girl. You said my kids were going to be more numerous than the stars. I don't have one. And suddenly, like, Abraham is unhinged. We're like, slow down, Abram. That's the God of the universe. <laughs> and he's, he is getting real with God. You know that super duper famous scripture that said, and Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness? It's right here when he began to complain and get real with God. The father of our faith was accredited with, with righteousness and a true faith when he finally got real with God. If you guys are uncomfortable with the idea of complaining to God, don't call it complaining. Just call it prayer. <laughs> you know that like some of David's prayers and worship songs were straight up complaints? So it's not, it's not just that God like wants 
to hear our heart, and he does, he's not afraid of our, us getting real and our, our darkened understanding of what's going on and complaining to it. He's not afraid of it at all, to the point that he turned it into eternal scripture. My God, why have you forsaken me? Where, why are you letting my tri- enemies triumph over me? How long, oh Lord? <laughs> Many of us are missing dramatic encounters and conversations with our best friend because we are praying a prayer that we think he wants to hear instead of giving him a real heart. Have a testimony about Jesus. Um, this is what it is all about. We're not trying to build a church. (laughs) We want to become a family of friends with each other and with the Lord. If you guys are, if we're wondering what friendship with God looks like, it looks exactly like friendship with the homo sapien sitting next to you. He's not afraid or concerned about the mess that might spill out of our mouth. In fact, some of us may have been holding back for many, many years, and when I I just gave you permission to let loose, it might be kind of messy for a little while. But when David complained, you can see it in so many of these psalms. He, He would start off with a complaint and be like, I thought you said this, but it looks like that. And how long until this? And, and then you, you can see like several verses later, a shift begins to happen. And, he, and he's like, but I know you're good. <laughs> I, know, I know you got this. And I'm going to choose to worship you forever. I'm going to praise your name for all generations. And you can see that he started off in a pretty messy spot getting real with God. And it births actual prayer, actual praise. It doesn't necessarily make for the greatest like Sunday evening worship choruses. (laughs) But when you're growing in friendship with God, it is the most beautiful thing. So, um... (laughs) I don't know how to say this. Um, I believe that God is establishing something wonderful here. And it's it's not necessarily like what the church can do through God. It's it's what God's going to do through the church. He's establishing something really fantastic here. But I want you to hear me when I say this. No one knows if Upper Room's going to be here in 50 years. No one, no one knows if, we, like, if we're if we're gonna be in this building another month. Like things are going to change. There will be transitions, but the one thing that will remain for all of eternity is your friendship with Jesus. And when you stand before Him, the one question He's gonna ask is, "Did you learn to love?" He's gonna He's gonna say to the people who said, "I did all these great things for you, Jesus." And Jesus says to them, sadly, "But I never knew you." Did you guys catch that? It didn't say, God didn't say to them, 
you never knew me. He said, you never let me in. You did revivals and prophesied and healed the sick and raised the dead, but you never let me in. I can't remember the last time I had a conversation with you. I'm sorry. 